Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Those of you who are joining us online, we're glad you're with us each week and thankful for your presence and and hope that one day you'll be able to join us in person. Uh, This week on Thursday, as we move towards Easter, we're going to have an open prayer time in the chapel from 4 to 7. Our deacons will be there to man that time, and there'll be some guided uh, prayer information for you. Uh, But it's mainly a time for you to come as a family or as individuals just to be alone with the Lord. And uh, so I encourage you to drop by any time from four to seven on Thursday. As we have moved towards Easter, today I want to talk about just being at his table. Communion is one of those sacraments like baptism. It, It teaches us something very important. It's something to be celebrated as believers as we remember what Christ has done and what he's done for you individually. And the fact that he invited his disciples to sit with him at that table, there's a day coming And today we remind ourselves of that as we come to Christ's table that there is another table that is being set for you. And it's a banquet table in his kingdom. And when you finish your life here and you, because of a decision you made about Jesus, step into eternity into his kingdom, you'll find a place waiting for you at his table. And what's amazing about that is that you will have a place of honor. You will sit next to the Savior. For you see, he is the groom and you are the bride. That's... Every time I try to picture that or imagine that, uh, it's just too overwhelming. I had a friend that called me this past week who's getting ready to have his daughter's funeral, not funeral, her wedding. And uh, (laughs) is that a Freudian slip? I don't know. (laughs) And uh, he... He called me, he says, you know, you, you, you did your daughter's wedding and you went through all the emotions, you know, you, you walked her down the aisle and then you performed the ceremony. And, and he said, how did you handle it, handle it emotionally? And he said, just help me with that. And I said, well, there's a big difference. Your daughter's like 22, 23. Mine was, she was over 30. We were ready. And... Uh, <laughs> But we talked through about just those emotions that he will go through and how he can handle that so he, he doesn't lose it when he's in the middle of the ceremony. And, and I finally told him, I said, I don't know if you can avoid that. And that's okay. And I, I think that when we come to this table, emotions should be strong. I mean, they should be overwhelming. 
when we stop and we think the extent of which Christ went for you and me. And then when we go to the table and we find our place of honor to sit, escorted there by the heavenly host, seated with our groom, our Lord, our Savior. This is a time to express your gratitude. This is a time to say thank you. Thank you to the Lord for the price that he paid for you. You know, when Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed for you, it gave you something. It gave you a forgiveness that you could have never obtained anywhere else. And all of the gifts that you've ever received or ever will receive, there's none greater than this one. His love was absolutely extravagant. And when we move towards Easter Sunday and we stop on that horrible Friday where Jesus went to the cross, he, he did not carry a backpack that just had your sins stuffed in the back. And when he died on the cross, it covered what was in the backpack. No, no, it, it, he became your sin. Uh, that's overwhelming to think about. It was as if he personally had committed your sins. That was the magnitude of his amazing love for you. That he would take and become something that was so vile to him. But he did it out of his extravagant love for you and his obedience to his father. And when I look at it that way, I cannot help but thank him. <laughs> uh, words, the word thank you just does not seem adequate, does it? Ephesians 2 says, it's, says it well. It, it says, but, but God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Now, stop there for a second. It, it's only by God's grace that you have been raised from the dead, the death of your sins. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And that's, what the, that's what baptism symbolizes that we did last week. And he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we were united with Christ Jesus. He seated us at his table. That's yet to happen for you and me, that we're going to be seated at his table because we are united with Christ Jesus. And communion... It's a reminder of that union that we have with him. 
Then the scripture says, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you cannot take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Now, when I read these verses and I'm overwhelmed with what is happening in these verses and I see all that God has done, I have just one part and that is simply to believe. That's all God asks of you, is to believe. And so many people struggle even with that. Looking back to remember what God has done for you and has done for others is so important. Uh, remembering the faithfulness of God reminds you of his presence today and his power I mean, if God had the power to take care of your sins and raise his son from the dead, he can handle any issue you've got today. His power, if it was enough to raise his son from the dead, that power lives in you and it can certainly handle any issue you're dealing with. So when we take communion, it's a reminder to us of this amazing power that is in us. And, and there's nothing that it cannot overcome. And where we get in trouble is when we try to handle our issues by our power. And it always runs dry. Always. So our communion is simultaneously a history lesson and our marching orders. What Christ has done and what he has called us to do. Remembering what Christ did for your salvation is the central fault of communion. And, and so when you take the elements and you just simply whisper a prayer, thank you. I mean, that's all we can say. So God is with you right now and he promises to be with you tomorrow and every day after that and the day will come where he will escort you into his amazing throne room where you'll find your honored seat at his table. You know, Jesus teaches us about communion, communion, that the bread is his body that he freely gave for you, and the juice is his blood that was shed for you. And it explains it so well in Luke chapter 22. It says, when the time came, which was sundown, which marked the beginning of the Passover, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager 
I looked up that word because it's a word I use, you know, you use a lot and maybe you don't know the depth of what it means, but eager means to have a fervent desire, a passion, a burning, an intensity. Wow. So Jesus was telling his disciple that I have this burning, passionate desire to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. I mean, the lesson that he was about to teach them was overwhelming. He was about to share with them that the Passover that has been celebrated since the people came out of Egypt by God's power was really a foreshadowing of Jesus and what he was going to do. And just as God delivered the people out of Egypt, he was going to deliver us out of our sin. I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He wanted to prepare them for what was coming Christ's death on the following day would fulfill the symbolism of the Passover meal. So he took a cup of wine. This was the first cup. There are actually two cups at this meal. And he gave thanks for God. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Even the most simple thing of bread, Jesus thanked God. Do you, you usually thank God for the big stuff, but you know what? Maybe you need to start thanking him for the simple stuff, the little things in your life. Just as a reminder of where it comes from. He then broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. He's saying that to you today. Do this in remembrance of me. Follow, and this is why we still do this because of that one statement right there by Jesus. After the supper, he took another cup of wine and he said, this cup, is a new covenant between God and his people, between God and you, a personal covenant between God and you. And God always keeps his word. This covenant cannot be broken by your stupidity. You've given God plenty of reasons to break the covenant, but he will not because it's based on his character and what Jesus has done. So this covenant is sealed by God himself. And, and Jesus said this cup, it represents a brand new covenant, which is this, this blood of mine is going to be poured out as a sacrifice for you. So when you say yes to Jesus, you become a part of this new covenant that he established 2,000 years ago. And that covenant is your engraved invitation at your spot at his table 
in the throne room of holy God. Now in just a moment, as we take and eat and drink, you don't have to be a member of Gateway to take communion here, but you do need to be a follower of Christ. Otherwise, you're just getting a little snack before lunch, and it's meaningless. So this is a sacred moment. It's not the time to visit. It's a time of thanksgiving, a time of reflection, a time of whispering into the precious ears of the Lord, thank you for what you did for me. It may be the case that you have not said yes to Jesus yet. Perhaps you've heard the message before. Perhaps you even believe that there is a God. But you've never actually trusted Jesus as your personal Savior. Well, you can do that. I mean, we just read a moment ago that God saved you by his grace when you believed now, that was a past tense talking about the disciples, but that can be your present tense today. God will save you by his grace when you choose to believe. It's nothing you can do to earn it, nothing that you can do to deserve it. So if you believe that Jesus did die on that cross, then he wants you to have a place with him at his table for eternity. And there's no sin in your life that Jesus' love cannot forgive. There is no sin in your life, no matter how hideous it may seem to you, that God's grace cannot cover it. So whisper that prayer to the Lord right now. And say, thank you for dying for me. I believe. I accept. And in that instant, a covenant is established between you and holy God. And he will never allow anything to take that covenant away. One last verse I want to share with you. In Revelation 19, verse 9. And an angel said to me, talking to John, John speaking here, the apostle. An angel said, write this. Now listen to what the angel said to write. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Blessed are those who have a seat at the table. And he added, these are true words that come from God. Jesus is inviting you to join him at his table today as a reminder of a future table. So the question is, do you want to be blessed 
Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. You have your invitation, but you have to accept it. In order to have a seat at the table. Let's pray.